everyone and welcome back to the Back Pocket uh, podcast that is shooting up the power rankings and is proud to announce a record membership of five listeners. <laughs> uh, my name is Alistair and as always I'm joined by Jack. How you doing? I'm, I'm here. Um, to start. It's not anywhere near midnight, which is a nice time to record. My um, phone's covering the time so I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's a... <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we had a few good results on the weekend in terms of shaking the ladder back up. I feel like there's a few more spots that are more open than I think we want to A few to. more spots are more open. By that, you mean the bottom of the eight, a.k.a. seventh of eighth. Uh, yeah, I guess so, but none of them are going to miss finals. Um, so. and, but I mean, Melbourne getting upset kind of shook that up. So Richmond get Crikey, Moses. Brisbane. <laughs> Melbourne, Richmond, Brisbane. That's right. Three Brisbane teams. getting upset. Um kind of shook that a little bit. And they did well, I mean, all get upset. All, all but, teams lost, so... Um, Brisbane getting upset shook that a little bit because they could have also been equal top um, with, you know, the Cats and Frio, but kind of missed that chance. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially if the COVID uh, situation escalates for Brisbane. Um, obviously, they'll get a slew of players back this week, but who knows who they could lose yeah. uh, from the team. It's interesting. And obviously, in that did contribute to it. But I think regardless of the final score, you know, Essendon outplayed them pretty much all game. And it wasn't their midfield unit that was missing. Like, that was still there, and Mm. that's been their strength all year. Um, And Essendon's midfield, uncharacteristic of them this year, did a really good defensive job on Brisbane. Um, Well, I feel like, and it's hard to say because they are still in the top four, but I feel like Jared Lyons has not done as well this year as he has in the previous two. Um, When he came across from Gold Coast, he looked like a genuine gun, and that's slowly diminishing. Um, Nothing against him. He is still a very good footballer. He's in his 30s, I'm pretty sure, maybe. Did I get that wrong? getting close, yeah. Either way. Um, And having Jai Coldwell completely eliminate Neil's effectiveness from the game, basically. And then do a great job himself back the other way. That'll go a long way to helping you beat Brisbane's midfield. Especially when you're at full strength. Yeah. Outside of that, yeah. Um, So it's not too surprising, um, but... It is definitely probably going to help keep Rutten safe, which is shocking. Yeah, I, you do wonder if they need to still scope the review when it started. I think they like should. They still need to pretend that from the review onwards hasn't happened because really so they should have won the last four. Like they, if they had kicked straight against West Coast, they would have won that mm. too. Um, but like it doesn't matter anymore. Like The wins when it doesn't matter don't count. Like, yeah. Um, I heard, Season's over. I can't remember who I heard talking about it, but I was saying like this Essendon side has proven in the last 15 years that when they're under pressure to perform at the start of a season because they've had a good finish or made the finals the year before, they've crumbled. Over the year, 2016, they made the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, in the off-season, recruited Dylan Shield. Everyone expected them to be a top-four chance, and then they plummeted again. This year's a really good comparison to that. Yeah, they finished in the yeah, in the eight last year, um, beat some really you know decent teams on their way to the finals um, around them, obviously, in that same area. And then at the start of this year, just fell away despite, yeah. you know, obviously there were some injuries and stuff there, but despite still having that core group there and getting Caldwell back from injury and things like that. So I feel like that's something they've got to address. And that's what the review should be looking at, like that kind of stuff where, where that's coming from. Yeah, definitely. I definitely uh, believe they should also be looking at the personnel that's been there for so long. Yeah, um, that coaching team's been together for a, for a team that's not won any finals. That coaching group's been one and since worst not just coaching, it goes, goes across to recruiting and more. Um, there's there's just a lot that's kind of set in at that club, and they also do have a little bit of a boys' club mentality, which should yeah, probably be shaken bring, up. Keep bringing in the same people to do the reviews every time. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely work to be done. But hey, good for Essendon fans; they got a couple of nice wins over the last couple of weeks. And I'll use it as a really good segue to roll into the votes because my first vote is going to an Essendon player, um, Jordan Ridley. 
Okay, Jordan Ridley was my number one miss out. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. So good to know he's around the mark. Um, I really liked his game and the way he worked with Kelly, who was a late in, didn't even yep. get to be playing, but they worked in tandem so mm-hmm. well again. Um, he had 26 touches and nine intercepts in a close game uh, that they were not expected to win against a high firepower midfield. Um, but yeah, it was just, I looked at his heat map and it just lit up that defensive 50. So like, obviously he had some involvements on the wing and some score involvements in the end, I think six rebound 50s as well, but he was just in that 50, locking it down all day as that last line, kind of like Lever plays when he's playing really well. Um, I thought he played a great game. Yeah, he's definitely impressed me this year because he is their intercept defender to me. Yeah. Uh, and he's played a pretty decent job as the lockdown. Now, whether or not that's contributed to them not doing as well as they have, maybe. Maybe they need him back in his intercepting role, but it's it's working at the moment um, and he's shown some signs that he's not just going to be a one or two year wonder. Yeah, and I mean, Zerk Thatcher looking good coming through for the years. Yeah, Redmond think, playing career best footy. Their back line's looking a lot better than it was at the start of the year. I think Zerk Thatcher's a good inclusion because for a while there I was worried he was just done. And you see that from a lot of tools who come in for a couple of games and then just disappear off lists, but Hopefully that's not the case with ZT, and he's he's shown that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so my one vote uh, goes to a tall of the North Melbourne variety, Ben Mackay. Yep. Um, he's really good, isn't he? He's, he's so uh, good. Amazing <laughs> when he plays at fullback, how good he is. Yeah, can. no, don't play him up forward ever again. Um, well, I'd say David Noble don't do it, but he won't be. <laughs> yeah, well, you wonder if he signed his death certificate playing him at full forward that often. It didn't, didn't look good. Um, um, the fact that they even did it in the final term when the game was on the line... That what, was interesting. What advantage do they give them? Because I feel, did you not learn over the last two weeks that he gets like two handballs at, at the most? I think it was just in case there was a shot kick out that he could mark. He should have been there in, was, in the centre circle then. I agree. Not I like agree. 50, but. Um, but he had 10 marks, uh, 11 intercepts. He went at 93%. 10 intercept um, marks, 14 marks the game. Oh, was it only yeah. 10 intercept? Okay. I got my yeah. stats the wrong way around yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, either way, great game. Yeah. Um, and he should be their fullback lock for the next. Oh, he is an eight ultimate talent at fullback. Like yeah. at that height and that speed, there's not many players he can't match. He's got good ground ball ability as well. Like, baffling that they were throwing yeah. him forward. Yeah. Um, I know desperation does weird things, but he is a he's just one of those players. I get the sentiment. I get that they wanted someone there to support Larky, but you've got players who can do that. And if Norman gonna... Jones was playing in the VFL. And he looked good coming back into the side. Would you not rather have him at full forward rotating with Goldstein than try and play Mackay at full forward? Even if you have to put Mackay forward, bring in a defender like McGuinness from the VFL who hasn't played a game for them yet that I know of, but he looks pretty good. He looks good in the VFL. Give him a chance at AFL level. Awesome. Maybe we'll see that with the interim coach. So, And it was a strange call. Um, anyway, that's my one. Yeah, my two was to Sam DeConing. Um, Fair enough. I think he just keeps passing tests. Like everything that's thrown at him... Um, I'm pretty against, sure I bookmarked this straight after the game. I said, Jack's giving him a vote, a vote or two. Against the reigning premiers with no Tom Stewart, to have seven intercepts, 11 spoils and two score involvements when Brown, Gorn and Jackson had one goal in between the three of them, mm-hmm. that's a great effort. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, you know, he's gone from strength to strength all year. He missed one game. I don't even remember why. Um, it was a corgi. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's, he's probably top three in the... Um, in the rising English. star. Yeah, in the rising star. Sort of say Australian. Australian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, rising star, he'd be top three, but it's Dagos's. Yeah, no. Uh, um, I think there's no like, competition at this point. Um, it'll probably mean that decoding season goes maybe under the radar more than it should have because in a closer season it might get highlighted more, but he's still having a terrific season. And well, it depends on which AFL rocks up. Oh, it's easy for a midfielder, so we'll give it to a tall. And the next time a tall comes through, oh, but it's so hard to come in as a mid and be inspirational yeah, in your no, first it's, year. It's interesting. They just make it up as they go. Um. But I mean, both of those two, in terms of rising star, were 
pretty good on the weekend. Ha- Takeoff was huge in the, second, in, the, in the second half. Um, so I'm going to go my two votes to <laughs> a losing side uh, again, Shannon Hearn. Um, he was huge in the first he, half. He was massive. He was the only one trying in the first quarter. I think he had the most rebounds this week for the Cubs. Yep, he had ridiculous. 12, 12 rebound 50s in 700 metres gained. Great game. Um, he was just everywhere. And in, like not just intercept marking, but like contested marking. He would be jumping over blokes. And at his age, being the one pulling that list into gear for that game when other experienced players just weren't touching the ball, um, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, uh, I think he ended up having 10 marks in the end as well. So I really liked his game. I did find it hard to give him votes. He was in my special mentions just because of, in the end, weight of numbers pushed against him. And obviously, Carlton ended up bowling a massive score. But I do agree. Um, but I think he was a top five player on the ground for both teams in a game where one team dominated for three quarters. So I, I feel like it's a special kind of performance. Yeah, no, I understand that. Uh, my three votes went to Paddy McCartan. Okay. Um, what a revelation he's been for the Swans. What a pickup. I know he's had some Volta games this year, but he's really shored up their back line, which did seem to be a bit of an issue for them in terms of being able to cover height down there when other teams got to run on. Um, 22 touches, nine intercepts, 14 marks and four rebound 50s, and then also to just cap that off five score involvements. He looks really good next to his brother, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, except when they collide with each other, which happens two or three times a game. It does. Um, and which I'm going to blame Paddy for. <laughs> you always worry that Paddy's not getting back up. He's loved a collision, hasn't he, for, for a long time. But, yeah, he, he's going really, really well this year. Um, so I think Swans have a lot to thank him for in terms of the fact that they're in challenging position for the four. It'll be really interesting to see come September if he's there holding up a Premiership Cup and St Kilda are ninth or 10th. Crazy, wouldn't it? Uh, it'll be very interesting. And, a, and one of many this year, I think that's the interesting thing with a lot of the recruits, who was basically free. Mm. Um, you look at Brody was um, basically negative. They traded, they, they got him and a prize along with it. Yeah. Um, Stengel was free. McCartan was free. And Young cost very little. Hewitt was free. Hewitt was free. So, like, it's, it's really interesting to see a lot of the recruits of the year this year have cost nothing to the teams that have picked yep. them up, um, which is good. That's what you want to see. But, um, yeah, he's... Having a great Depends year. on if you're on the receiving yeah, or losing end. Yeah, you don't need the player that the team's given them up. No. I think St Kilda would be mad that they've you know, let go of a, a, well, a gun. He was always good. But yes. And, and obviously, well, number two draft pick or whatever back in the day. Yeah. Um, I think he was number one. But with his concussion issues and diabetes and stuff, until he got his body right, there was no way that he could stay on an AFL list. So no. I don't think St Kilda are going to be kicking themselves for it. I think it's just... Uh, it's in the back of the mind, Jack. It's in the back of the mind. It's just unfortunate how it goes. Um, so my three votes I'm giving to James Sicily. Really uh, good game. Always on our lists pretty much every week. Um, 13 marks, only six intercepts, but it's the eight one percenters for me. I love a one percenter. Love a, love a spoil. Um, he just continues his fantastic form for the year. If I was picking the team right now, he would be just about the first back picked. All Australian tools. Yeah. His uh, I I talked about it to you I think during the week <clears> not on the pod last week, but. His game last week looked a lot worse because it was in the pouring rain and he didn't take mm. those marks he normally does. He finished with one mark for the game. Um, but yeah, he was back to his absolute intercept marking best. Was um, that just us whinging about fantasy points? It might have been, yeah. <laughs> not even whinging about fantasy points, we're talking about trades and both being like, we're not going to trade Sicily. Um, but yeah, no, he was back to his best. So not even the intercept marks, it's the contested marks he takes for them when they kick long to a pack where yep. he is just that player that cuts in front, takes that mark and moves them down the ground. His foot skills are elite. And it's, it's a good... Uh, I know Hawthorne obviously aren't doing their best this year but I think 
a lot of people expected him to be bottom two. He's got to be a chance of captain when before he comes uh, yeah. to the end, I think. A hundred percent. And I think he is the absolute general down back compared to last year when they obviously sacked right. mm, sacked <laughs> Clarkson. <laughs> uh, their defence was not marshaled yes. well, and yeah. him being back has been huge for that. And yeah. I wonder if Clarkson, well, I don't know if he wanted to stay, but I wonder if he ever had the chat with them like, hey, I'm missing something very important here. Can you let me try with that back? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I think um, a big thing for Sicily for me, looking at how he plays now, is that there was a lot on him for being a bit immature and a bit of a smart ass <laughs> when he was younger. Yeah. And obviously he's still got a bit of that to him, and, and that's fine. But I think he's really matured as a footballer, and that shows in the way he play, how he plays now. Definitely. You go back, and I was talking to you about it recently, the uh, Jed Lamb game <laughs> against him where he just absolutely dominated him and he gave away like seven stupid free kicks uh, just in retaliation. He doesn't do that anymore. My, my uh. favourite Sicily moment uh, was when he kicked a goal on Joe Danaher and spent the entire way running back from the 50 to the goal square with him asking for a high five for, for a goal assist. I don't mind that. That's fine. Um, yeah, I know. But I just feel like he wouldn't do it like, the whole way. It wouldn't happen anymore. No, like, he, probably he'd probably not. pull out of it. But um, yeah, having a brilliant year. Oh, absolutely. Probably leading the Hawks best and fairest at this point too. Uh, my four was to Daniel Rioli. Um, Ooh, okay. He is just having a great year. I think it was late last year, he came back to the VFL, he was falling out of the best 22 in the AFL side, injured himself, came back to the VFL as a defender and everyone was kind of going, oh, okay, what's going on here? Great. He's a, yeah. just a great halfback to watch play. Um, it's, uh, it's worked really well. I think his transition 31 touches run. off halfback last yeah. week. Um, 12 of those were contested, which was a big thing for me. So he's getting that ball in those clusters where, you know, if it goes the other way, it's a goal um, or at least a score. Um, and, you know, he's breaking those into not only break-evens but getting them forward for his side. So I just thought he had a really good game uh, compared to you know, what we've seen a lot of other of those players have. It wasn't that getting the loose ball from the kick-ins or the outside run. Um, he was getting it inside. I ball. think he has a lot of impact. Um, I've watched and a lot se- of And seven games. score involvements in the end from that. So 12 contested, nine intercepts. I've been watching a fair bit of Richmond games recently and the ability he has to break the lines it's it's not so much just him evading someone he will handball at someone in a good position and then get completely out he will run 50 to 50 and deliver it inside 50 yeah. i think that's why you see his score involvement's usually so high is because he'll get it in defensive 50 and he'll end up yeah, he'll get that intercept 50. and then one to it and then get the score yeah. involvement as well which um, is which is huge for breaking up uh the zone yeah that's the word i was thinking absolutely for. <laughs> i think with losing some of those players off halfback that richmond have in the last few years it's, re- it's been really important for them to bring him in mm. uh, into that role so yeah great game again so my four votes, I do not have a lot to say because we already covered it, is Paddy McCartan. Paddy McCartan. Four right. from me. Um, yeah, in, in, incredible game. Uh, they smashed the Bulldogs. Like, they did, It was they? embarrassing to watch. I was really excited for that game because it was, it was eighth versus ninth at the time, I think, or seventh versus ninth or something. They were close on the ladder. That's One game apart, percentage almost identical before the game. So had the Bulldogs won, they would have jumped Sydney. And they instead got smashed out of finals contention, basically. Mm. There's, there's starting to be this small gap appearing between, I want to say, the top nine and then 10, 11, 12. I've heard a lot of talk about, um, you know, the Bulldogs and, and how have they fallen off the cliff so badly. And I think it's important to remember that they made the grand final from seventh last year. Mm-hmm. And they made seventh last year on the back of a few games Bontempelli won in the last quarter on his own. And outside of that, they'd be sitting in a very similar position to what they are now. And there's probably been a few games this year where it's been one or two goals the difference, that had they won, they'd probably be sitting in seventh. And it Some, was a, Sometimes it's just luck. It was the same year, same as the year where they won the grand final. They had a few really close games, and then they clicked into gear for the finals and stormed through. 
Um, and I think that's where we're looking at where Collingwood are at the moment. Like there's a lot of games for them. I think I heard the stat it was five games by less than two goals this yes. year. And if they all go the other way, this is so much for the right? They're like thirteen. They're probably below Gold Coast. Whereas Gold Coast are in the opposite position. They've gone. They've had six games, yeah. three wins, three losses in the close ones. And if right now Gold Coast was sitting sixth and Collingwood was sitting twelfth, that seems more accurate to me. It, it feels Gold Coast have played better against the better sides. Yeah. Or more importantly, I think Gold Coast have played better against the worst sides. If yeah. that makes sense. Collingwood that, seem to just drop their bundle when they're playing someone. Yeah, and like just fall across the line, whereas Gold Coast seem to just fall short against the good mm-hmm. sides or sides around them and then comfortably win against the poorer sides. Yeah, which I is... don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, they I'm... could both make it from here. They could, Especially... and I'll be very interested to see how Collingwood impact the finals because we've seen that they can win in close games. So when the pressure's on... And they've held it up to, but not necessarily beaten the good teams. Mm. So I don't think anyone would be happy to play them because their best is clearly challenging. No, I, I believe so too. And I think... I hate to say it because I'm not his biggest fan, but I think Sidebottom might be having one of his best seasons. He's playing a really underrated role, I think. Uh-huh. Um, he and uh, Pendlebury both seem to be a kind of uh, break glass in case of emergencies role for yep. Collingwood, where Craig McRae is really trusting the kids to play exciting football, which we love to see. But mm. when it's not working, those two come in. And they've done a really good job of, of pulling that team out of the muck when that's happened. The amount of times when things are up against him in the last quarter and you see... Pendlebury take a contested mark. Sidebottom was huge in this week in that last quarter against North. His he somehow incredible. manages to always bob up by himself, thirty out from goal. I think there was one game I can't remember if it was the Carlton game or another game, but he had like three shots in like ten minutes from that same spot, and it's just uh, his work ethic on the wing. Yeah. Um, and he was a midfielder before, and, and now he's a wingman. It does say a lot for McRae, I think, because this list is a. I do think it's being overstated how young the list is, though. <laughs> Um, I just realised we're still doing votes. <laughs> we're still doing votes. We've got one to go. And I do think it's um, overstated how young the list is, though, because there are still a lot of players on this list who are not far off retiring. You look at Howe, you look at Pendlebury, you look at Sidebottom. Even Myacek, obviously, despite Mason making Cox. a debut late, isn't young. Mason Cox is another one. Jamie Charles Elliott. Cameron. That's great. He'll be 26, 20. I don't think he's very old. I'm going to look it up right now. You keep But yeah, either way, I don't think their team's as young as it's being made out to be because a lot of the work is still being done by the older statesmen. So many games this year without Howe and Moore down back, they'd be really struggling. A lot of these games without Pendlebury and Sidebottom to run through the midfield, they'd be really struggling. And it's promising. And obviously, for coming from their worst ever finish last year, which isn't saying much because they've only had 17 teams for 10 years, Mm. but coming off their worst ever finish to be factoring not just in finals, but in an actual will they win a final discussion. And also completely shaping the eight with their wins. Absolutely. And the kids have been a big part of that, which is important to look Mm. at. So um, it will be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, but five votes. Uh, I went, and we've already talked about this one, was Ben Mackay. Oh, okay. I, his first half was just... In, oh, he was everywhere. He just was crashing through packs. He was backing into packs. Yep. And just things were just sticking in his mitts. I couldn't believe it. It was one of the best first halves from a key defender I've seen all year this year. Crazy that we went one to five on this one. <laughs> I even thought in the second half that he was incredible. Like, uh, just watching the way that Collingwood were taking control of that game, and he was still stopping their entries time and time again. I loved his game. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get <laughs> laughed at for my five then. Mine's, I don't I don't care about the stats or the heat map or the possessions. Yeah, yeah. It's Charlie Ballard. He was brilliant. Five votes. I, don't care. He's so good. <laughs> I've loved he's 22, him I'm pretty loved sure. I've watching him play this year. Yeah, I didn't realise that until just recently. I was yeah. looking at the medals from the champ, state championship games and he won the Division B um, grand final winner that year playing for the Allies. And it made me kind of go, hang on, Charlie Ballard's on here. And I looked at I was like, 22? Yep. 
he's got a good career ahead of him. Their and back line is, is so it. solid, isn't it? I yeah. We that's what this podcast is about. You set up a good team from the back, mm-hmm. and their back line is brilliant. Yeah, I and I, I would like to give a special shout out to Jack Bowes, um, who's come back. He was in great form a couple of years ago, and was one of the few that were tr- was trying. Um, and now he's slotted in when, unfortunately, Powell had that horrific injury. Um, but that's that's another good sign is that they've had one who was performing go out and they've had one come in who has just picked up the slack. So I'm very impressed with their defence this year and I'm I'm happy to just yeah, keep doling out five votes I, to Collins you know, and Ballard. I loved Collins before. <laughs> I, I rated Ballard, Ballard as a youngster, but mm-hmm. the way it's really come together has been properly incredible. Mm-hmm. Um which rolls into a question for me, because obviously we've got a bit of love for Gold Coast around here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they've got six games left. Yeah. With their percentage in mind, they probably have to win five of them unless some of them are absolute smashings. Uh-huh. You'd back them to beat Essendon, West Coast, North and Hawks at their best. I would say so, yes. They'd, they'd go into those expecting them to win. wins. They're not playing North this week, are they? No, I don't think okay, so. Okay, good. No dead cat bounce for them. No, North have uh-huh. Richmond, oh, which would be very please. funny. Which would be very funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was just talking about it in the in the team meeting I was on before. Um, if they beat Richmond, didn't Richmond? weren't Richmond the team they beat when Reece Shaw played his uh, coach's first game? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But then they have to beat one off Brisbane or Geelong. As You'd the other say team. on form right now to be Brisbane, but is but it being played Brisbane's in Brisbane? At the Gabba. Yeah. Oh, and of Geelong. course it's being played in Brisbane, but I meant the Gabba. At the Gabba <laughs> and Geelong's being played at Metricon. So. It could end up being a point where Geelong are going to have a top four finish guaranteed and their interest in the game isn't as high as Gold Coast desperation to make finals. That's round 22 of that game. And I think that's going to be a really interesting one in terms of how the season shapes up. I don't think Geelong pull any funny business like that until round 23. Oh, I don't mean dropping players or anything, but you just sometimes you see where a game means a lot more to one team than the other at that time of year. Yeah. Um, and you look at I mean, Essendon Bulldogs, a great example of that last year. Where Essendon beat the Bulldogs to finish eighth, whereas the Bulldogs couldn't finish anywhere but seventh. Mm. Um, and those games come out, and then the next week, it well, just didn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see them do it because the team they could take the spot of is the one they beat this week. It is, it is Richmond. But I think with the way the finals are shaped up, it's now also Brisbane. It's also um, Sydney. Like there's a lot of teams who are in a danger zone with just how close it is from mm. you know tenth to second or tenth to fourth, really. But yeah. Um, it's a it's a really interesting shape for the rest of the year. It is, because obviously Brisbane could be COVID-affected. Um, Carlton have a reasonably tough run to come. Sydney are a bit up and down. Richmond have now, for the first time, injuries, and uh, they seem to be slipping away. Um, and Gold Coast have an easy draw. So, yeah, well, easy Easy except for those two yeah. that are very much not easy. If they can win those four guaranteed and steal one of those two... They'll make finals. They'll make finals. Absolutely. If they... St- win those four and lose those two, they're going to be hoping for every other result to go their they way. they need to make a bunch of percentage in a couple of those games because they're a bit lower than the rest. But that's not... I don't think uh, I don't think Stuart Dew would be worried about that at oh, all. Oh, they, they have had... They only need, I think, three more wins for a, career, a club best season. Mm-hmm. And that was that year Ablett tore his shoulder and they probably would have made finals had he stayed fit. Um, yeah, I just think that I'd love to see him make it just, just for the sakes of a bit of history. Sure, but I'd, I mean... That history can wait a year, can't it? Yeah, probably. Ben King back next year. But yeah, and you say Brisbane, their, their one is a bit harder. They've got, obviously, Gold Coast is one of their games. If they lose that, they're in danger. They've also got Richmond at the MCG, where we know they struggle. Yep. Um, Carlton at the Gabba, 
and Carlton have travelled pretty well this year. And actually do half decently at the Gabba They've got too. St Kilda at Marvel. And then they've got Melbourne Who again. Who knows what the hell's going to happen. They've got Melbourne again, game. but at the Gabba. But after the way Melbourne treated them last time, um, you know, Mental it'll scarring. be interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> so Brisbane, despite being currently fourth on the ladder, are a risk of missing finals if everything goes wrong from here. And it's weird to say that at round 17, 18. I don't think there's a chance they miss. But if they drop to the bottom six, or, uh, six seven, eight, that would be wild. Yeah, they would not want to play an away final. Nope. To, well, away final outside the top four. If they finish seventh or eighth, it's a big call. Could be huge, especially if they have to play at the MCG against someone like Collingwood, for example. Where they'd be in big fear of losing that. Yeah, would be very interesting. My question for you is, yes, if Collingwood or Carlton miss finals from here, is the season still a success? I think for Collingwood, for Collingwood, yes. I think for Carlton, no. You think no? I think from how they started the year... With the expectations when Voss came in, because mm-hmm. I think it wasn't, they weren't too far off for most of last year until it collapsed towards the end. I think mm-hmm. the expectation with Voss coming in was that they make finals. I agree. Um, I think they make finals, no matter where they make finals, I think it's a pass mark. Mm-hmm. But I think if they miss, it's con- probably considered a fail, but not like a drastic one. It's considered a, we should have done better. It'll um, be interesting to see considering the ins coming back over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think- absolutely. I think Ed Kerno played in the VFL last weekend. Yeah. I think um, McGovern's expected to play VFL this week or next week. McGovern's going to play the AFL or VFL this week. They yeah. haven't decided yet. Pit and then Pitt next back week. next week. Um, whether they're in the team or not, Martin, Owies, Nunes, they should all be back this week. And that kind of draws the injury list down to four players who are completely unavailable for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then Williams and uh, Marchbank, who should be back by finals. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's in that territory. Whereas with Collingwood, obviously coming from 17th, yeah. if they finish 10th, it's still a good year. Yeah, like, no, I agree with that. Um, a lot of people it, did expect them to go bottom two again. Especially with, if you look at... I looked at this year and I thought a Hawthorne, Collingwood, North Melbourne, yeah. uh, they're going to be the bottom three. No one saw West Coast coming. No one saw Essendon dropping that much. I didn't pick them for the eight though. No, that's and true. And I'm going to win that 50 bucks. <laughs> you are. You I are. hope you're listening, Zade. <laughs> Sitting at home with his baby and COVID. He's, yeah, like, he's probably so poor. Struggling. Don't, you don't owe me 50 bucks. Um, he did say earlier today that um, when he gets up to piss, he runs out of breath. His COVID's hitting him that hard. Oh, so um, I'm worried I might have COVID with the uh, way I'm labouring through this. So you know, Maybe we got it from him. Um, <laughs> not, I'm not having a good time. But yeah, it, it's. Um, I think also Collingwood would be in-house more realistic. Like obviously clubs manage their expectations. So they'd know they've had those close wins. They'd know that they lost to West Coast and almost lost to North. So that they're like... Reality is they know that things could be a lot worse. So if they kind of go downhill from here, they'd understand that that's kind of been the benchmark. And if they make finals, that's a huge win. Listening to what, and this is going to sound like a weird comparison, listening to what uh, David Noble has said through the year about how they wanted to convincingly beat the teams around them, challenge the top four, and play well against the teams in the middle. I kind of feel like... That's been more in line with what Collingwood have That's done exactly this year. That's exactly what Collingwood have done. Yeah. yeah. And they, they've done a good job against Brisbane, Melbourne, Geelong, yeah. beat Frio, beat Carlton, came close to Sydney. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they want. And then they've yeah. beaten all the teams around and blow them. Except, Except for West Coast, <laughs> which is the weird anomaly in that list, isn't it? Especially because it was round two. There's someone else they lost to that was kind of funny. Anyway, they've had a couple of horrible, tragic losses. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that they're in a weird place. Um so I can't really disparage. I wouldn't be surprised. Years. Yeah, exactly. But I still wouldn't be surprised if they make finals this year and drop down to a twelfth-ish area next mm-hmm. year, just based on a bit of a harder draw and you know not having that 
weird run on they've had this year where a few of those results have gone their way. And that's just football. I mean, teams do that. Um, and we see it every year. A team makes either the top four or the top eight that you kind of go, oh, was that really their like realistic position? Um, and a lot of the time that's the team that goes out in straight sets or a team that loses a first round of the finals pretty dramatically and then hauls down the ladder. It, um, it's going to be quite interesting because there's going to be a couple of teams this year that haven't been in finals for a while. Which is cool. I, I, um, I love to see it. And it'll be interesting, like, do Frio just get... Frio's style seems suited for finals. It does. But do they get... The pressure changes completely. Frio wet weather game in Melbourne the first week. Oh, if it's wet, they're done. They play, they play, play the MCG against Geelong in the rain. and They'll get beaten by 80 points. Yeah, and it'd be horrible. And then they come back to Perth, and then they get one of the lower teams and could go on a win. So, like, it's a really weird setup for yeah. that. We could have four MCG finals in the first week. Well, it's Sydney and Brisbane and Frio, so... Yeah, so you're looking at current top two is Melbourne Geelong. No one is surprised if that stays the same way. And then you've got between the and then Brisbane and Freer expected to be the other two top four teams. Mm. So it then really you just need drops out Collingwood, now. Carlton and Richmond are the next only two of them need to finish fifth and sixth for it to be I mean the AFL would probably love that, wouldn't they? Well yeah, but they'd have to change their structure because they wouldn't be able to play two games on the Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Well, currently they were going to do... It's a good week for me. I'll take that. Currently they were going to do um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. That was going to be the first week of finals. Probably Sundays. Don't know. That was what they wanted. Um, <laughs> okay. But they'd have to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to get the games in or play one at Marvel, which would be Carlton. I'm fine with if that. they get a home final because... <laughs> Absolutely fine with that. They're probably playing their best football there currently. Yeah. Um, Geelong with the grandstand down won't get it there. You could not play Melbourne, Collingwood or Richmond a home game anywhere about the MCG. That would be mm-hmm. sacrilege. So it's going to be a weird decision if they have to make it. They might not. We might see Brisbane or Freo drop to fifth and it won't be an issue. Yeah, that's the thing. If Brisbane finish fifth or sixth, the AFL wipes the sweat off their brow. Yeah, and then they go, okay, we get three MCG games, one game at the yeah. state, which is really their ideal setup. Mm. They'd love to have that every year. I just want that year where everything has to be played away from I'd the MCG. I'd love that. Well, that was meant to happen in 2004 and they're like, Brisbane, home game at the MCG. <laughs> nah. Well, I mean... They wouldn't do it anymore. I mean, I reckon some teams might take it just for the experience. And Frio would be like, yeah, let me play round one of finals in the, at the, the MCG, MCG to let us play there for the first yeah. time in 78 years. And I mean, years. you get the money for it as a club too. True. The AFL would have to pay you to move your home final. But I mean, with the way Optus Stadium's set up these days, you'd be nuts to take it. Yeah, it's, it's a 60k venue. And, and the, the atmosphere for a home team when they're pumping is incredible. Like, even, even when they're doing terribly. Even when they're doing terribly. West Coast fans are loud. From the um, weekend. <laughs> But I oh man, I can't even imagine what the sound was like when they roared back into that game. It was loud. Yeah. yeah. There was luckily I was it was offset by the fact that there were three cute kids sitting near me who were just doing the like the old school like Eagles. carnival, let's go, Eagles, let's yeah, go. That's cool. like that was that. cool. That really settled me down because when the opposition kicks <laughs> seven goals to two in a quarter, you start to worry. But yeah. I was fine after that <laughs> yeah I, I remember and the best one i went to was the drink time game because there was it was just that all was people good. who were there for the footy i think we found every guernsey we found every guernsey by the end of the game yeah um, we were them and then a few waffle ones out. as well just like <laughs> just to top it off um, but it, it is a great stadium for atmosphere um and it, it does come with a huge advantage of freer to get a home final which i think one way or another they will yeah they'll, they'll finish either top four or fifth and six um which if they win the first prelim they'll get a home final if they lose it they'll get a home final yeah doesn't really matter for them. They'll get one. It'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting final series regardless. It um, is. I, just because there's no clear best team. 
I don't think um, so. I think obviously right now Geelong are yeah. the best side currently, but there's still but you don't six want to weeks in, of the you season You don't want to prime in June and July. And, and I know the same they, as, they did say they were doing that heavy training block. And that and was when they had those games against West Coast and Adelaide. Where they in that middle bit. kind of just took it easy, to be honest. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. It's it's there's a, there's just Brisbane have been there's choking so in finals. Brisbane's best. Geelong have been choking in finals. Melbourne's the only team I think in the top eight right now. Richmond. Well, I mean, are Richmond still eighth. Yeah. Yeah. So besides those two teams, the other six in between don't have a finals record or don't have a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Geelong's track record is lose one, win one, lose one. It's usually lose one, win one, lose one badly. Yeah. Um, except for, I think the exception is 2019 to Richmond. Oh, what about 2020? Oh, yeah, made a grand final. <laughs> but 2019 to Richmond, had Hawkins not got himself suspended, might have won that prelim. Yeah, it could have been different. Um, instead of having Lockie Henderson at full forward. Um, yeah. That's, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. But I won a, a cricket premiership that night, so... Um, it kind of eased my feelings. Something slightly. weird always happens to you when Geelong, when Geelong lose. Finals. Yeah, my dad loses an eye, or I win a cricket premiership, or there's a lot going on. It's ups and downs with you. Yeah. What? Well, oh, yeah. A friend of mine recently announced their wedding's going to be on a grand final day in two I did, years' time. I and did I was want like, to talk to you about this. If 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 your wedding is on grand final day, and my team is playing, I'll be watching the game. Like whether I'm at your wedding or not. Yeah. I'll be watching the game. That's if the I'm difference. a membership that year. And I can go to the grand final. You will go. I will go to the grand final. That's the thing. If your team's in it, sure. Yeah. You can, you can, if it's any other team. No, you go to the wedding. You go to the wedding you and watch you the grand final watch the grand final later. Because in, in between bits. your like, friend's wedding matters more abs- than absolutely. a grand final that doesn't include your team. Yeah. And I feel like even if it does include your team, you should still go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Unless I, um, you're going to the MCG, go to the wedding. I did put it into terms today that I was like, if... If someone put their wedding on Christmas or Easter and people couldn't make their wedding because it was Christmas or Easter, that's understood, right? But, like, not all of Australia's population follows Christmas or Easter as celebrations. And even less follow AFL. Well, yeah, but what I mean is, like, for some people, that is their, like, big day of the year. So, like, if you put a wedding on that day, you have to anticipate that some people are not going to want to go. Yeah, I bet you some people don't even know when Grand Final's going to be. Yeah, and but that's, like... It's a separate issue, though, isn't it? What important things are happening this day? I bet you the AFL Grand Finals are not in the top ten. They're like, oh, it's International Pancake Day. Oh, People can miss that. Day. I think that's in March ah, or God. May. It's an end month. Anyway. But if it, you can just have pancakes at your wedding, so that's just a win-win. That's very true. You can get really fancy, fluffy ones. Ooh, like those Japanese ones with yeah, the, like the split them open? Like oh, a dense yeah, pancake. I'd get around that. That'd be yeah. nice. I think we've, we've run our number. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, on I'm totally cooked. Pancake weddings <laughs> and... <laughs> Move over, shotgun weddings. We've got pancake weddings. <laughs> International House of Weddings. Um, <laughs> I have. Oh, that's already a thing. <laughs> anyway, um, it's been good having you. If you want to check out the current Defenders votes, the AFL ladder, thebackpocketau.com is always live. We do not plug it on any of our episodes, despite the fact that it's where the podcast lives, it's where the votes live. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. I didn't there. even know we had a website. Well, that's not true. You talked about it last week on the podcast. I don't remember what happened last week <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Seven whole days ago. Um, but we'll be back next week with more scintillating coverage of the football. Have a good one. Bye.